I would like to ask you to turn to Acts chapter 2 with me. We've been on a series called Fanning the Flame, and the series is about stirring up that fire of God in every heart and every life so that every person that has been a part of these services even today, that you would maybe for the first time fall in love with God, maybe fall in love with Him all over again. Uh, but for some of us, if you were in a place where you felt like your you fire had gone out, my, my pastor growing up, he'd say that your wood got wet. <laughs> if your wood got wet, that, that we can stoke those fires again. And so today, I want to I work around this theme, which is fire needs fuel. Amen. Yes? yes. Fire needs fuel. Any kind of fire you're talking about, it needs fuel. Whether you're going to feed it with grass or you're going to feed it with wood or wet wood like we talked about or gasoline. (laughs) Fire needs fuel. Now here's the thing though. You can put wood and you can stack it up and it'll never catch on fire by itself. Right? You can store a lot of gasoline in your garage and it'll probably never catch on fire. In fact, you can get several cans and put them side by side. And you'll find that those things will rarely all by themselves just catch on fire. We need some heat. We need a, a spark. We need something to ignite. Now, if you haven't been here, the folks that have are going to help you out. Because the fire doesn't come from us. Church, where does the fire come from? Y'all going to have to say that with a little more conviction. <laughs> so I'm going to give it to you one more time. Now you know the question. All right. For those who have not been here, the fire does not come from us. We do not generate the fire. Church, where does the fire come from? Okay, that's better. That's better. Yes, the, the answer's right. They're all right. It's not, it's not a wrong answer. We just need a little more passion behind it, okay? So I'm going to give you one more shot. The fire does not come from us. The fire comes from God. Okay, that's better. That's better. That shouldn't have take, taken three times, I don't think. Do you? The fire comes from God, but then what is the, the fuel for this fire? If you want this fire to keep going and you want to fuel it, then how do I go about doing that? I want you to be in Acts chapter 2 because I'm seeing some verses different than I've ever seen them before. You see, in Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes and it falls on this early church and it comes upon them like fire, it says, like tongues of fire. They they saw fire. Visible representation of the, the Holy Spirit coming And then if you move over into Acts chapter 2, in the latter parts of Acts chapter 2, it tells us what this early church was doing. Now, early on in my ministry, I looked at those things and I tried to duplicate them and and imitate them and all those things. It looked like a recipe to me. And I thought if I could just get all the ingredients of the recipe together, that that it it would look right. It looked like the early church. I'm looking at it differently now. I'm looking at it this way, that in Acts chapter 2, the beginning of the chapter, the Holy Spirit comes. And what I'm seeing in the latter part of Acts chapter 2 is actually how they fueled the fire. 
It's how they kept the fire going. And I want to draw your attention to one very important verse. It is Acts chapter 2, verse 43. It should be here on the screen. And here's what it says. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Everyone say awe. awe. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Can I tell you, church, that you cannot lose the awe of God in your life? You, you cannot go without this sense. This, it's a feeling, see? Now, we've been taught sometimes not to trust our feelings. But I'll tell you, you need a sense of awe to follow you in your Christian life wherever you go. What is that awe? It is the glory of God. What is the glory of God? It is the in-your-face encounter with God in some part of His nature. It's the in-your-face, oh, He is good. Oh, He loves me. Like, I know He loves y'all, but who oh, He loves me, right? It like, he makes you feel like you're the only one around. He loves me. Yeah. And, and so it's this all that comes from this glory of God that is so strong, it just captivates your thoughts. You see, when you're caught up in the awe of God, you can't be caught up in gossip. When you're caught up in awe, you can't get caught up in criticism. You can't get caught up in feeling sorry for yourself. Because the only thing you can think about is, Oh, God. And here's the thing. Everyone kept feeling it. They kept feeling it. Your Christian life shouldn't always be pointing back to that point when you got saved. Amen. Amen. Like your best days as a Christian should not be behind you. That's good. You, you shouldn't have to be pointing back to stories that were a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago. Now, they good, and I think you ought to pull them out on occasion <laughs> just to remind yourself of what God is doing. But you can't have a past relationship with God and be caught up in the all God. You have to have a present relationship. you got to know what God is doing right now. You've got to be overwhelmed by Him right now. And so it says that they, they kept feeling it a church can never be at a place where all of its stories are way back somewhere they have to be current the things on your lips ought to be what god is doing now what he's doing in your life right now and so they they kept feeling this way and it's over the signs and the wonders what are the signs and the wonders. Have you ever seen a person whose life was in the ditch? All right. And God saved them. Yeah. And he pulled them out of the ditch. Yeah. And you look at them. And if you knew them in the past, you'd go, oh, that is not the same person. <laughs> and you look at scripture and it would tell you, you are exactly right. That is not the same person. They are a new creature in Christ. All things have been made new. Salvation is one of those signs and wonders. There ought to be a steady flow, I believe, of people coming to Christ. Or we ought to ask ourselves, are we doing enough? 
I might get back to that later or I might forget it. So I'm going to go on and ask you right now. Do you think that our churches have seats open in them because we've done everything we can to see that lost and dying people are saved? Or is it because you haven't shared the good news of Jesus Christ in a while? That you haven't, you haven't shared it in a while. Maybe you lost it all and you, didn't, you don't have a story. And you got to get back to that place. Or you're mesmerized by God again. You see, I don't think that our churches are empty because people just refuse to hear God. I think people are actually hungry for spiritual things. I think they're hungry for God. They want a real story of a real changed life. And the thing about it is, Ember, y'all have no excuse. Because I know your lives. <laughs> I've walked through some of the muck and the mire. And I know what God has done in your life. Don't let anybody tell you you don't have a story. Because you do. Your problem is not having a story. It might be being willing to tell it. Amen. Are you willing to, to share? So the, the signs are those, those salvations. It is the, the love of God that you can't even explain. That just overwhelms you. I was talking to someone. and I, I haven't asked their permission, so I'll leave them anonymous. But we were talking about the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And how that's a supernatural thing. And then we were talking about the healing of God. And the question was, does God really still heal people? Because I just don't see it anymore. And I, and I asked this question. I said, have you experienced the peace of God? They said, yeah, like you can't imagine circumstances and situations like you wouldn't even believe. Like I wasn't supposed to be at peace, but I was. And I know it came from God. I said, can you find that in the Word? Absolutely. He's the Prince of Peace, right? Yes, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. So it's biblical, and they have encountered it, and you can't tell them it ain't true. Like, I could try to steal their peace from them, but it'd take me a while. I'd have to, I'd have to break them down to take the peace away from them. Now, now, let me ask you this. Is healing in the Word of God? Yes. Can I tell you that just because you haven't experienced a healing in your life that you wanted or someone else wanted or you haven't seen much of it, it doesn't mean that God is not still a healer. What you learn to do in peace, you have to learn to do in every area of your life which is you look into the Word of God and see that He is the Prince of Peace and you walk into all kinds of hell and you take peace with you because you know it is yours. Amen. You change the situation by the Word of God. You don't look at the situation and say, I don't think God's doing peace anymore. Like, I think He's out of the peace business. Apparently, He's not bringing peace back. You don't say that, not to that person. They go, no, oh, well, I'm thoroughly convinced. And they'll even walk into some other situations where there's not peace, and if you ain't careful, they'll bring it with them. And they'll smear it on everybody in the room. And before long, other people that didn't have peace is going to have peace. Can I tell you that we need to do that with healing? We need to not let our circumstances and situations dictate what we see in the Word of God, but we ought to stand on the Word of God until our situations change. That is what signs and wonders are all about. It is taking a situation 
that does not look like the word and the will of God and refusing to budge until it looks like that. There were signs and there was wonders. And it says that it came through the apostles and there will be people who say, well, then apparently that means that all the signs and wonders stopped when all the apostles died. And I would say that might have been true had God not said in Mark chapter 16 that signs and wonders would follow all those who believe. It didn't say signs and wonders will only follow the apostles. It said signs and wonders will follow all who believe. And then in Matthew 28, it says this, the Great Commission. You know what it says? Go into all the world, preach the gospel. The important part is this. Teach them. He's looking at the apostles. He says that teach them all that I commanded you to do. What did he command them to do? Go out and heal the sick. Preach the good news of the gospel to those who haven't heard it. Take care of the poor. Take care of the broken. And so our assignment is that same assignment. We cannot look at that verse and go, well, apparently that stuff doesn't happen anymore and it only happened in the apostles. No, it will follow those who believe. We need to fix our believers. We need to tweak our believers and let them line up with the Word of God. Church, can I tell you, you cannot lose the awe of God in your life. You can't lose it. You've got to guard it. And if it's gone, you've got to ask why it left. <laughs> if you don't feel it, you've got to find out why. It is not all about a feeling, but I tell you, it is a good indicator of what's going on in your life. Your emotions are pointing or some reality in your life. How do you fuel this fire? Well, then you fuel it with the stories. We call them the glory stories. If you've been around, we like to tell the stories of what God has done. It's those things where it's like, hey, you need to come and see what God's done. Yeah. Hey, you need to, you need to come over here and see what, what God is up to. And it's not this. It's not come and see what Ember's done. Hmm. Ember hadn't done anything. Come and see what God's done. Yeah. Come and, come and see what he's been up to. The lives that he's been changing. Let me tell you about the things that we've been praying for that God has done. Come and, and see. We're supposed to declare the glory of the Lord. Because I can tell you this. If Psalm 19.1 says that the heavens declare the glory of the Lord, you better believe a star ain't going to outshine me. Hmm? Hmm? You ought to just go on and, and, and settle that thing in your heart that I will not let creation, I'll not let the rocks, I'll not let inanimate objects outpraise me. I'll declare His goodness. Yeah. And so we, we tell the stories, and those stories, they, they build up our courage. So many times we don't tell the stories of what God is doing, and so nobody believes that God's doing anything. I, I stand up here before you probably in some of the best position of all of you because I get to be in so many different ones of your life and I get to see and hear what God is doing in your life. So above all else, I ought to be the most encouraged person in the room. And it's because you tell me your stories. Tell somebody else's story. <laughs> now, now, don't stop telling me. 
Because then I'll get discouraged. And I'll believe God's not doing anything. So don't quit telling me, but don't just tell me. And don't expect me to tell your story. Because it's better when you tell it. It's more authentic when they, they hear it from you. So we, we tell those stories. <laughs> and i got to tell you, I'm gonna, Chris, you spoke to the men last week. I'm going to speak to us one more time. Men, I think that we are harmed by not telling the stories of God because as men, we get bored. We get bored with church and with God and with all things God when we believe nothing's happening. Because I believe there's something inside of us that wants to make something happen. There's still something inside of us. If there's a problem, I want to fix it. Now, there's some women just like you, so this is not a man thing, right? Some of y'all like, me too. I know it. Join in. It's not a male or female thing. But if I tell you what, if there's a problem, I want to fix it. If there's somebody in danger, I want to save them. You know, I, I just want something to do. But there's no stories, and there's no awe. And before long, we sit around and go, there ain't nothing here. There are some people who have walked into church, and they said, there's nothing here. There's nothing here for me, because they know nothing's going on. There's no awe. There's no glory. There's no move of God. But I tell you, where there's a genuine move of God, men look at that and go, hmm, I'd like to get in on some of that. That's pretty cool. And, and so we get bored and we get frustrated. Why? Because we don't tell the stories. Tell the stories. Church, tell the stories and fuel the fire of God in everybody's life. How do you fuel the fire? Through prayer. But not just any kind of prayer. Not all prayers are equal. And I'm going to be fairly bold and then I'm going to have to explain myself. Not just any prayer, but answered prayer. You ought to have answered prayer in your life. God ought to be answering your prayers. Years ago, early on as a Christian, somebody handed me a book by Oswald Chambers. Little devotionals that I believe it was his wife put them together after his death, the things that he taught. One of the lessons in Oswald Chambers was this. He said, if you pray and your prayer is not answered, you ought to figure out why changed me never forgot it i tried to find it this week but you know oswald chambers like that thick but he said if god is not answering your prayers you need to find out why there's a danger in unanswered prayer let me see if i i can explain that i told you two weeks ago that i don't know anything about horses but i do know this you can fall off both sides of it right I have found that in the things of God, you can fall off of both sides of the truth. Let me tell you how we fall off of both sides of the truth when it comes to answered prayer in our lives. There are some people who fall off on this side and they believe, well, if I think it and I say it, I can have it. And so I'll just come up and say all kind of crazy stuff and declare it. And I would say to you, you probably ought to be glad that God don't give you everything you ask for. Because you ask for some dumb stuff. Let's be honest. And so there's this side over here that thinks you can just decree and declare anything and God just comes up and goes, okay, you know, Chris wanted it, here you go. 
I know I believe that God is such a good father to Chris that Chris has asked for some stuff and God said, nah, I love you too much. Love you too much for that one, Chris. But then you can fall off over here and you can have this mindset. You may have even heard it. It said prayer does not change your circumstances. Prayer changes you. Now that sounds spiritual, doesn't it? I'm going to say it again because it sounds very spiritual. Prayer does not change. It's not meant to change your circumstances. It's meant to change you. I would say if that was true, God should not have recorded in his written word so many times, ask in my name and you'll receive it. He, he shouldn't have said in John chapter uh, 15, look at what it says here. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Ooh, that's bold. Either he's lying and I don't think God's lying. Oh, we better dig into that. So then let's dig into it. You see, God is a father and he loves us. And when you pray and you don't get what you prayed for, you ought to go back and say, God, why is this thing not happening? And in asking God, why is this thing not happening? You ought to listen real good. <laughs> like you ought to get into the word like we talked about last week. And you ought to have some times where you just listening to God, you're not saying anything. Yeah. Some of you should pray more, and there's probably some people in the room, you should be quiet and listen more. <laughs> you should listen. God, why is this prayer that I have, why is it not being answered? And you'll find a couple of these things. One, you'll find that you made the wrong ask. You asked for something that wasn't in the will of God, and He's not going to give you something that's not in the will of God. So you ask for the wrong thing. How are you going to know if you ask for the wrong thing? To read the Word of God to figure out what you're supposed to ask for. He said, delight yourself in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. I have found that if I delight in God, I get God. <laughs> delight yourself in me. Did you hear that? He didn't say delight yourself in the things of the world and I'll give you the things of the world. No, he said delight yourself in me. Oh, and by the way, you can have me if you want me. And then when you have me, you can have all of me or a part of me. But I am the Prince of Peace. Do you want peace? Delight yourself in me and you'll have peace. You want love? I am love. Delight yourself in me and you'll have love. You want patience? Delight yourself in me. I'm patient. You'll have patience. Delight yourself in me and you can have all of me. We make the wrong ask. And we don't know the Word of God. That's why we have to dig into it to find out what He says, to know what we can ask for that are better than what we ask for. Sometimes we ask out of wrong motives. Mm, we do that most often when we're praying for other people. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? You praying and you praying hard. God, you have got to change my stubborn fill in the blank. <laughs> Husband, wife, my child, my coworker. Whatever it is. And most often you want to change them oddly enough to look just like you want them to look. That's convenient for you. That's easy for you to deal with. And what you find is that you're asking for the wrong motive. You don't want their best interest. You want your best interest. And God is good enough to say, no, nah, I'm not going to answer that one right now. Although I, I agree with what you're asking for. But you need to wait a minute. It's almost like God puts you over in time out and say, you need to think about that for a minute. And while you're over there, what you should be thinking about is this. 
Oh my goodness, I am so selfish. I'm asking for all the wrong motives. My motives are wrong. And then you get your motives right, and guess what happens? That thing will break loose a lot of times, and you'll have what you want. So we, we make a wrong ask, and we, we ask out of wrong motives. And then sometimes we ask at the wrong time. Sometimes God will, will, will show you something, and you'll think it's yours, and you'll go run out and try to do it right then. Right? God will give you a word, and you'll go share it right then. But if you walk with God long enough, (laughs) you'll do one more thing. Once you hear the word of God, you'll say, God, is it now? Is it for now or later? Because if you try to carry out God's word, even when he's given you his plan, you got to ask if it's now. Because if you try to do it out of season, you're going to have a mess. Mm. Look at the people in Scripture who tried to operate on a, on a word of God. It was a legitimate word of God, but they tried to operate in their own timing, and it never worked out right. So sometimes God is saying, yes, yes, child, and we're sitting there going, God keeps saying no. And it's like, I'm not saying no, I'm saying wait. I'm saying wait because I'm working on some stuff. Some of y'all been praying for some mates and you're like, he's not answering me. And God says, I am, but I got a good one and you should wait on him. Otherwise, you'll get a bad one. And then me and you're going to talk about a lot of nonsense for the rest of your life. Some of you are saying, God, I need a job. And you won't give me a job. And God said, I didn't want you to have that last job because it wasn't any good anyway. I got a better job. I got something better for you. You got to learn to trust God that when something doesn't happen in your timing, it doesn't mean he's saying no. A lot of times he's saying, I'm just working. Wait and let me work it out. Let me wait, wait on my, my timing so I can work it out. And then there are times where he, if we could hear him, he'd say, I got a better plan. I've got a better plan. I've got a, that, that person that you broke up with and that relationship is forever lost and gone. He says, I've got a better plan. That, that house that you lost, that you thought you wouldn't get it back, you, you were never going to have your own place. He said, I got a better plan. That thing you're trying to buy with your own money, and you can't afford it. You can't afford it. (laughs) He's saying, would you wait? I got a better plan. I'm going to fix your finances. I'm starting way back over here. That I'm going to start and fix your finances. So that you'll learn how to save and build some wealth. So that in 10 years or 15 years, you can buy that thing, and they won't come repossess it. Nobody can take it away from it. It won't cause you all the, the hurt and the chaos that it would have caused you if you'd have settled for less. Do you know that God loves you, that sometimes he, He's saying no because He's got a better plan? And so if He ever tells you or it feels like He's saying no, you ought to ask why. You ought to find out. Maybe He's doing something in you. Maybe He's working some things around you. But we're supposed to have answers to our prayers because if not, we fall into danger of 2 Timothy. Look at what it says on the screen. 2 Timothy 3.5. This is a danger. 
that we would be a people that are holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. It says, avoid such men as this. Here is the danger of praying prayers that don't get answered. Prayer becomes a form. It becomes a habit. It becomes a routine. And there is no power in it. And before long, your fire will go out and you'll still be praying every morning. You'll still be putting hours in. You'll still be going through the motions. Any of you ever gone through the motions? That's what it's talking about. That there are some people and they are going through the motions. And the way you know that you are going through the motions is nothing's happening in your life. No prayers are being answered. No awe is being experienced. There's no stories to tell. But you keep plugging away at it. Don't quit plugging away at a form of godliness that denies the power of God. It is dangerous. It becomes a spirit of religion. Before long, you think you actually know something. No, it's true. You think you know something. You think you're strong in the faith. You think you can tell other people the Bible. The reality is you have nothing to tell. If nobody wants anything you have. Because more clearly than anyone, we're the last to see it. Everybody else knows when the fire goes out. Everybody else knows when the fire fades. And the way you know it is when nobody wants what you have. And so rather than dig deep and keep trying to put up the pretense, fall on your face before God. Fall on your face and say, God, I'm sorry for going through the motions. I'm, I'm sorry for pretending. I'm sorry, God. You have to beware of form over fire. Form over fire. You don't want form if you've ever experienced fire. Two more things. How do you fuel this fire? Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.6. And he says this. For this reason I remind you to fan the flame of the gift of God. Which is in you through the laying on of hands. Paul writes to Timothy and he says you've got to stir up that, that gift inside of you. That thing that God has placed in you that makes you unique. To every person on the planet. Yeah. You are different. And I think you are most unique. By the fingerprint of God that is on you. That, that He has made you in such a way that no one else can duplicate what you can bring. You see God differently than people see God. You have different gifts, talents, and abilities that other people don't have and you have to stir those things up inside of you and keep them burning paul writes to timothy he says don't let that thing go out hmm? don't don't quit ministering don't quit giving your life away here's why because if you quit ministering if you quit serving if you quit giving your life away there won't be any stories do you see that there won't be any story. You just quit operating in your gifts. You just keep give it, quit giving your life away. 
you won't have any stories. And the fire goes out. Some of you say, I don't even know what my gift is. Well, you're in the right place because a handful of times every year, I have people preach on the gifts and teach on them. And I would say this, those gifts that are inside of you, they're in Scripture. You can look them up and Google them. You Google everything else, right? <laughs> You're like, he didn't teach on the gifts. Google it. I ain't got time. You Google your medical problems. You Google everything. Google it. Google spiritual gifts. <laughs> I'll tell you this. Most of the time, they don't come full-blown. They come in seed form. And they're buried inside of you. And none of us can see some of them right now. We don't see them in you. And the only way you're going to find what those gifts are is if you get out and give your life away. Find a way to give your life away. Serve someone. Do something good for someone. Encourage someone. Start speaking truth into someone. It's only in moving that you're going to find it. You are not going to sit down, I don't believe, and just pray and say, Lord, I'm just curious. I'd love to know my gift. If you were listening, God might say, I'm not going to tell you because you're not going to do anything with it, and I don't want to hold you responsible for it. If you want to know what your gift is, you ought to be prepared to use it. And stir that thing up. Some of us, you know that there's some things inside of you and you just got discouraged and you quit. You got beat up and you quit. You didn't see some things happening and you gave up. It's kind of like that swimmer that was trying to reach the coastline and he gave up about three strokes before the fog cleared and he could see that he was right there at the shore and he missed his world record. He was three strokes away. But he gave up because of the fog. There's some fog that the enemy will bring into your life. Trying to keep you from using your gift. But church, you got to fan your gifts. Because if you don't use your gifts, you don't have any stories. And if you don't have any stories, you don't have any fire. And then the last one, it takes us all the way back to Acts chapter 2, where we were. And it says that, that they were there and, and they kept feeling this sense of awe, right? Signs and wonders were being done. Look at what happens toward the end. It says, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. Watch this. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Mm. If you want to fuel the fire, then you have to give away the fire that's inside of you. You can't hold on to fire. you got to give it away. I'm going to say that one more time. I'm going to say it for both sides. I'm coming. Amen. Right side. You cannot hold on to fire. It'll go out. If the fire comes, you better give it away. And if you give it away, there's a principle in Scripture that says this. He who is faithful in little will be trusted with much. If you say, I want a big fire, but I only feel like I got a little fire, then give your little fire away. Whatever you have, give it away. And you know what? God looks down and he says, you know what? Mm, boy, she was awful faithful with that. And I believe if she's faithful with that, I'm going to give her just a little bit more and see what she does with that. And then you give that away. You cannot hold on to fire 
you got to give it away. Left side, just so you don't feel like you were left out. You cannot keep the fire of God by holding on to it. Can't do it. You got to give it away. In fact, some of you, the only thing you need to get the fire of God back in your life is to go back to some of the things that God has done and give that away. Start giving your story away. How he saved you. How he healed you. How he changed your life. How he answered your prayers. And as you start giving that away, amazing things start happening. You're like, whoo, I think I got my mojo back. <laughs> You're like, whoo, I feel like something's happening. Yeah, God said, yeah, you want to give it away? I'll give you some more. There's a picture. It went around on Facebook. We're going to show it now. I believe when it was on Facebook, it had to do with conflict. And it said if there's a conflict going around and you become that little match that pulls itself down, that you'll put the fire out of the argument or the confusion or whatever it is. I think that's how it went around on Facebook. Amy Bender sent that to me this week, and she said, you know what? That fire you were talking about, if we don't become the fire and spread the fire, watch what happens. Do you know that there are some people, they're probably not going to come to know Christ uh, at least, well, I won't say that because I believe God loves them enough he'll send somebody else. But there are some people that you are uniquely positioned to lead to the Lord. You are uniquely positioned to talk to them about the goodness of God and the love of God, to talk about it in a real way that they can believe it. But some of you have taken yourself out of the game. You, you, you're, you haven't been concerned about the harvest. You didn't think you were qualified. You thought, I, I'm not qualified. I don't have a story. Oh, I bet you do. Some of you say, I don't really know how to do it. <laughs> do you know what real evangelism is? Evangelism is a word, evangelion, it means good news. You know what an evangelist is? Not a person in a purple suit. Not that there's anything wrong with purple suits. I can't wear one. I wouldn't look right. You either, right, Dave? Evangelism is for everyone. And you think, I don't know how to do it. Tell your good news. Tell the good news of what God has done in you. Tell it to your friends and tell it to your family and tell it to your coworkers and tell it to the people at, at school. And some people are going to think you're crazy. And they're like, you're like, yeah, I am. I have found out that I'm crazy for Jesus. I, I have found out that he set my heart on fire. And you don't know what passion looks like in its purest form. I'm just passionate. We can be passionate about football. We can be passionate about work. Heaven knows we can be passionate about Jesus. Scripture says the harvest is plentiful. And what does it say? But the laborers, the workers are few. We got Christians saying, don't nobody want to be around Jesus anymore. Don't, nobody wants Jesus or the things of God. And I would say, I disagree. Amen. I disagree. I just think that there are some people that need Jesus that you can reach and you might have taken yourself out. And the fire didn't get to them. And I'm wondering if it's not time to get back in the game or to start in the game for the first time. The harvest is ripe. It is white. The laborers are few. It says beseech to pray, to ask God to send forth laborers 
into that harvest. I've never done this before, but I want to give an invitation. And we always give an invitation for those that want to receive Jesus. <laughs> That's what we think about when we say it's time for an invitation. Is We want to give people an opportunity to come into a relationship with Jesus. And we want to do that. But I've got a different invitation today. My invitation is this. There are some people that you know, and I don't know them. There are some people that listen to you, and they won't listen to me. There are some people that you have influence in. And because of that, you have their ear. They won't listen to me. And I probably can't reach them. But you can. The invitation is this. Is there anybody willing to be an evangelist today? That's new, isn't it? Is there anybody in the room? That says, I'm willing to take the good news that I have personally experienced. I am willing to do the hard work of living in the awe of God. Because let me tell you, it's hard work to keep a fire going. Can I just be honest with you? Yeah, you don't have to work at all for the fire to fall. That's God. That's just being hungry. But if you want to keep the fire of God in your life, you will have to do something. You'll, you'll have to stay in awe of God. You'll have to tell the stories of what God is doing. You'll have to pray in such a way that you get to the place where God's will is your will and you see His will done here on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. You're going to have to stir up the gifts inside of you because there will be days where it feels like it's not working, that people aren't listening. You're not even sure that you should be, in that, that, be doing it. You're not even qualified. And you'll have to stay at it and persevere. And, and you'll have to carry that good news. I'm giving an invitation today if there's anybody in the room that wants to be an evangelist. That says, I can go and tell them the good news. If that's what i got to do, I can do that. That's your story. Ministry team, come. Chris, will you come too? This first group of folks that are up here, they are really good listeners. You may have come in here with a problem that I didn't even talk about. But you don't need to leave without someone hearing you speaking the Word of God into your life and praying into that situation in such a way that that thing changes. By the way, last week we gave an invitation. Somebody gave their life to the Lord. <laughs> Somebody is a child of the King. Because these folks came up and said they're willing to listen. And we're growing this team. Because quite frankly, everybody in the room ought to be able to do this. And that's where we're headed. That everybody in the room. This is not a, a select group. You're going to see different faces every week. But I tell you what. These people up here today, I trust them. And if you got something, you come up here. And let them minister to you. And then this crazy looking guy over here in the corner that looks like John the Baptist sometimes. <laughs> Knows what it's like to be sent out. He knows what it's like to, to go out, to carry things. And, and so if you feel that call for ministry, in the sense that you want to be an evangelist, you want to carry the good news, I want you to come over here and he's going he's gonna to pray. I might even come over and join. But a lot of times I like to try to just sit back and figure out what God's doing and make sure that we're following God. So you come to them. Everybody's good? Yeah, I want you to just kind of bow your heads.
Yeah. Here's the invitation. <laughs> Bring your cares to the Lord because He cares for you. <laughs> if you're lost, come <laughs> and get found. If you've never had a relationship with Jesus, come. They'll show you how. If you want to be an evangelist, to carry the good news, we're looking for some evangelists that we can send out into the harvest. Holy Spirit, come and move on our hearts and let us be bold and courageous. Let us not be afraid. Let us respond now while we have an opportunity, while you're moving.